0: Thank you, Pastor Bob and praise team. And thank you for the the screams of joy when I came up. That's awesome. I feel like the Beatles. And uh, I hope you're all enjoying the the Christmas season. You're starting to get in the swing of it. I'm sure everybody's starting to get a little bit busy. Amen. (laughs) with activities. And, uh, you know, Christmas is like that. Christmas can't get full and we can kind of miss the point. But it's also good that that fullness means that you're with people that love you and you love them. And just a lot going on. And uh, be prayerful. I'll be prayerful. You be prayerful for me. Uh, as We started kind of all the things that we're going to be doing over the season. And on the bulletin board, we even have some open houses on December 17th and 18th. And there's three on each day. One's on, on, Monday, or on Saturday to the 17th, they go from noon to 3. And then on Sunday, they go from 2 to 5. So you can see the information in your bulletin where those open houses are. And I hope you'll take the time to, to drop in and see people and just do all the things that, that we get to do over the, the Christmas season. One of the things we get to do is wrap presents, right? You guys like wrapping presents? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I want to say the three words that draws dread from every parent in this room. Some assembly required, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it's one of the worst things that, that you can read when you get a children's a child's toy or, you know, and, and, and the thing, you know, Santa Claus is kind of a drag in our house at times because he doesn't always assemble those things. <laughs> and sometimes he'll just leave them in a box, and at 2 o'clock in the morning I've been up, putting things together, uh, that I think, really, if he really has all those elves working for him, he should have done it. Uh, but, but some assembly required. It's, you've all been through it. You know, I, I can remember many nights being up late, 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 late into a Christmas morning uh, to have the boys get up very early on Christmas morning, as kids have a tendency to do, uh, and waking us with very little sleep after those three dreaded words, some assembly required. And all of you can share your same stories. You can share stories of bikes being put together with front wheels on the back and back wheels on the front. Uh, You know, those instructions, I don't know why they put them in there. Uh, You know, they're just extra packaging. Uh, you know, the, the wonderful thing is now YouTube, uh, you can almost see visually everything putting together if you just type in the product, but all of us have, have dealt with that and we, we've had times where things have went together easy and times when, when the instructions have been in another language and they have not went together easily. But not just products, life. Uh, there, there's assembly required in life. That as we live this life, this, this life that we have hope in, there's an amount of assembly that is required. There's some assembly required in your life and my life. And, and, and it's one thing when you buy something from Ikea or from Toys R Us and, and you don't put that together in the right way. That's one thing. But when we don't put our life together in the right way, that's a completely different story. And there's been times in my life, and, and, and the truth is this, none of us can completely put our lives together right. Only God can put our lives together right. And sometimes, even in our broken pieces, we have a God who is able to heal that and bring all of our decisions, all of our life this, to this point of completeness, even though sometimes we've messed up. Amen? Amen. <laughs> That, if you never said amen to anything else I've ever said, that's a good time to say amen. We serve a God who can take broken people and make them whole. Amen. Sometimes our lives, though, we, we, we don't assemble right. We, we, we make errors. We, we make mistakes. We, we don't do things as we should. Sometimes we try to force in pieces. So sometimes it's, it's not our fault, but it's others around us make assembly almost impossible. We're in our Advent series, Jesus Here, and we've been working through one central ideal through this, this sermon series, the Christ event is not a point in history, it's a change in history, it means God with us, it means Jesus here. And we've been dealing with, first we dealt with the presence of Jesus, that that God is present to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. There was not a change in God through the Christ event, but there was a change in us in that we can receive His Holy Spirit. And even in this place today, there is a special presence of God in this place because of what Jesus did and because of Pentecost. And, And as we go through our ordinary life, we can experience God in a new way because of what Jesus did because of the Christ. event. Just this past week, I was, um, I can't even remember where I was reading this, but they were talking about how uh, we always think, oh, we would like to talk to the disciples about what it was like to walk with Jesus. And when we get to heaven, well, what was it like to walk? John, what was it like to walk with Jesus? And they're going to probably turn to us and say, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit in your life from the moment of salvation? What was it like for God to walk in you and through you? See, we live in this this new dispensation of grace where God is personally present to each one of us. Jesus is here. And after we talked about the presence, we begin to talk about the, the application that if Jesus, if the spirit of Jesus resides within me, then, then I have this great privilege to join God on his redemptive mission and be Jesus in my home, in my community, in my neighborhood, in my school. You, you wonder what would happen if Jesus went to school with you? Jesus is going to school with you. What would happen if Jesus was in your home? Jesus is in your home. And so it's that, that almost too marvelous for words ideal and, and understanding that Jesus is wherever we go because the Holy Spirit indwells us and he wants us to continue the mission of Jesus. He wants us to be Jesus here. And so we've been dealing with that and and. and And as we thought about that, we've been dealing with what it means that, you know, to walk like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to to, to live that kind of life, what does it take? And, and, And last week, we dealt about with dependence, and this week, we're going to deal with obedience. Here's the good news, though. Jesus here, this point of dependence and obedience is not a contrived image It's not a distorted image. It's not somehow pressed upon us and changing us into something different than what we were meant to be. Jesus here is an invitation to live as God intended. God's desire for you and God's desire for me is to live at this point of dependence and obedience. And when we live that way, when we live at this point of dependence and obedience, we become fully who we were created to be. See, real life is found in dependence and obedience to God. You know, I, I know in, in my life, maybe, maybe none of you have ever thought like this, but, but in my life, oftentimes I've thought, oh, yeah, to, to sell out to God, to give everything to God, to go the way God wants me to go, i got to give up on what I want to do in my life and, and somehow leave things behind. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. To, to, to give everything up from for God to, to be wholly dependent on God to be completely obedient to God to, to be sanctified holy to, to be completely sold out consecrated to give everything to God is to find our real life yes, yes, and 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 can I just be real clear here to the extent that 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 you're in your mind thinking that it's less life rather than more life, you're being lied to. Real life is found in dependence and obedience to God. Now, that's, that's the word. I, I'll, I'll testify that myself. Can, can I tell you, I've never given up for anything for God that he didn't return many times over, <laughs> There's never been a time that I said, okay, God, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whereafter after I said, man, that was a big mistake. But every time, God has continued to show me and allow me to live this, to this point of real life. Now, see, Jesus modeled both dependence and obedience. And and the significance, and and i got to tell you, as I I prepared for this series, I've never had a greater appreciation for the life of Jesus. You know, I I always appreciated, you know, the the birth story. And I always appreciated uh, the the death on the cross of Jesus. And I've always appreciated the resurrection of Jesus. And I've always seen the significance of Pentecost. But, But I'll be honest, oftentimes I've thought, well, Jesus' life was like prelude. It was just it was just going through the motions until he got to the cross. But the older I've grown, the more significant his life has become. Significant his life has become to me because he's modeled something that God expects us to live. See, Jesus, fully human, emptying himself of the attributes. He wasn't superhuman Jesus. He was Jesus, a man. As Dr. Manley preached not too long ago. Jesus, a man full of the Holy Spirit, modeled dependence and obedience on God. And that means if Jesus modeled it, and we want to walk like Jesus, and we want to think like Jesus, and we want to love like Jesus, and we want to be Jesus here, the only way we can do that is if we live like Jesus lived. At this point of dependence, And obedience. See, Jesus was completely sourced by the Father. Every ounce of energy, what he did, came fully from the Father. He wasn't dependent on bread, but he was dependent on the bread that came from the Father. And Jesus was completely motivated to accomplish the Father's will. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Did Jesus die on the cross because he wanted to be a martyr? Did Jesus die on the cross because he loved us? No, Jesus died on the cross because it was the will of him who sent him. Jesus was a, a man of the cross, and the cross modeled obedience. Jesus reversed the curse. Now, Brother Bob talked about this cursed world, and, 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 and we... Maybe, maybe We most probably have an understanding of, of the beginning. In, in the book of Genesis, God created and creation was perfect, right? And then God created man and woman and creation wasn't much perfect very much longer, right? Uh, people have a tendency to mess up perfection, right? And Adam and Eve were created and they were perfect and, and God placed them in the Garden of Eden. And, and God gave them permission... An invitation to eat from any tree in the garden but one. One. You can eat from any tree, but you can't eat from one. God is far more permissive than restrictive. Uh, I want you to know, and, and sometimes we get confused on this. We, we do. We, we tend to think it's all rules for God, and, and God's just trying to be a, a, an eternal killjoy. But God gives us guidelines so that we can live real life. And in your life and in my life, there is, he is far more pers- permissive than restrictive, and the same temptation that comes to Adam and Eve, came to Adam and Eve, comes to us. That, that, oh, God's trying to keep you from something. Where God's trying to protect you and allow you to live in real life. So the garden, in the garden, the, the serpent comes, and the serpent was crafty. And, of course, men, we know this was all Eve's fault. Of course, it wasn't. Adam and Eve's in the garden, and and the, the serpent is crafty and tempts her with the one fruit that they cannot have, and they eat of it. And instantly, <laughs> and their failure to obey, and their disobedience, instantly there's panic, there's fear of God, there's awareness of of nakedness. They're, they're, they're aware that they're vulnerable. They're, they're, they're aware that, that somehow something is different. And we have the curse, the curse that we live with even today, this curse of sin. Now, what was Adam and Eve's sin? Adam and Eve's sin was not about a fruit, but, but about a choice. See, Adam and Eve chose their will. They said, we want to be God. We don't want you to be God. We want to be God. And what matters is not your will, but what matters is our will. And in doing that, Adam and Eve's choice distorted their created image, who they were meant to be. Adam and Eve were meant to be dependent obedient, fulfilling the will of God. That was the the design. That was the created order. And in their own choice, they chose something less. And folks, when we sin, when we choose our will over God's will, it's not about the sin. It's about the choice. It's saying, God, you're not God. I'm going to be God. Can, Can we get something real clear here this morning? there's only one God, right? You know, we're not many gods. And the only divinity that we have in ourselves is the Holy Spirit residing within us, which only happens when we're dependent and obedient on God. Jesus, though, came to reverse the curse. Jesus came to model a different way, to, to give life through his body, but to model this path of dependence and obedience. And we see this over and over throughout his ministry. In, in Luke chapter 4, I'm going to read it out of the message translation, paraphrase this morning uh, because it's a longer passage and I, I, don't, I just want to read it out of this modern translation. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when the time was up, he was hungry. The devil, playing on his hunger, gave the first test. Since you're God's son, command this stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, It takes more than bread to really live. For the second test, he led him up and spread out all the kingdoms of the earth on display at once. Then the devil said, they're yours and all their splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them all and can turn them over to whomever I wish. Worship me and they're yours, the whole works. Jesus refused, again backing his refusal with Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. For the third test, the devil took him to Jerusalem and put him at the top of the temple. He said, if you are God's son, jump. It's written, isn't it, that he has placed you in the care of angels to protect you, that they will catch you, and you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Yes, said Jesus. And it's also written, don't dare tempt the Lord your God. That completed the testing. The devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. (laughs) The the temptations all revolve around one central theme. Now, now they're couched in different ways. They're they're different avenues of Jesus' life. They're they're different things that Jesus uh, is tempted to do. But the temptations all revolve around one central theme, your will or God's will. Do you really have to do it the way that God wants you to do it? Can't you just worship me? Can't you just take the easy way and I'll give you everything that you've come to save? Do you really have to die on a cross? Do you really have to suffer? Do you really have to be obedient? Do you really have to follow the will of God? This way is so much easier. Jesus faces, I believe, and you see it in Scripture often, Jesus faces temptation throughout his ministry. He faces it when Peter confronts him about going to the cross later on. He faces it in the Garden of Gethsemane very visibly. And these are the visible times that Jesus is faced with this same question. Do I really have to do it God's way? And over and over again, Jesus chooses God's way over his way. Much of Christianity, much of what we hold dear revolves around two gardens. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve said, not your way, God, but our way. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, no, not my will, but your will. And see, this is the truth of it. (laughs) Which garden are you living in? Are you living in the Garden of Eden or are you living in the Garden of Gethsemane? And can we be honest enough to to confess that there's times in all of our lives where we have chosen Eden over Gethsemane? that we have chosen the curse over life, Jesus models a simple path of dependence and obedience on the Father. And it's in this dependence and obedience that life is found. See, Jesus found personal fulfillment in accomplishing God's mission. And we can be Jesus here when we find our deepest fulfillment in accomplishing God's will. This is a high standard. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. To to be Jesus here, to to do the things that God is calling us to do, is not an easy task. I'm so excited about our, our next series in January. Not a fan. That God doesn't want fans, but he wants devoted followers to him. You know, Jesus was completely okay when the end came. It wasn't, there were no longer multitudes following him. How many were in the upper room? 120. We're in the upper room. This this great teacher that at one time had thousands upon thousands following him, who came into Jerusalem with, with palm leaves before him and them crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was perfectly content with the Father's mission being accomplished with 120 devoted followers in an upper room. And see, we get so caught up in in this broad stroke, but but what God wants in this place is devoted followers, not fans. Devoted followers, devoted to obedience, completely uh, dependent on the Heavenly Father, make a difference. To be Jesus here, to think like, to love like, to walk like Jesus, we won't do it on our own. Amen? There's no way. Uh, you know, I see Dr. Purdue. doctor purdue Perdue's been a, a man of God, uh, an evangelist. How many years? At least 15, right? <laughs> 45 years. And you couldn't have done any of this without God, could you? It's only the Holy Spirit indwelling an ordinary guy like Nelson, smart ordinary guy, but in dwelling him and filling him that has allowed him to make a difference in countless people's lives throughout this nation. And we're the same, folks. God can use us. God can use you. I don't care if you think, I don't care what anybody else has ever said about you. I don't care whether you think you're ordinary. I don't care whether you think that you're not smart enough or good looking enough or whatever. God can use Ordinary people who just come to the point of saying, God, I'm going to be completely dependent on you and I'm going to obey what you asked me to do. Amen. As you lead through your word, through, through, through the body of, uh, of the, the church, as you lead through your Holy Spirit's discernment in my life, as you give me guidance, I will be obedient to you. Okay, go back to the good news. what I'm preaching is not about something less but about something more the the good news is it takes us back to the garden and it reverses the curse it allows us to live in this place where God can bless us in a new and a fresh way Now, now don't I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. This isn't going to necessarily increase your bank account. If God wants to increase your bank account, God can increase your bank account. There's no question. But but this is about living at this point of peace and dependence and joy regardless of what's going on around us. Regardless of the storms, we, we, we can have peace and joy. See, life is found in dependence and obedience not something contrived, not something less. And and the truth is, this God who is more liberal with these blessings than, than restrictive in his covenant with us, this God who is more liberal than restrictive can still bless us in so many ways. Life is fuller. Life is fuller when we live at this point of obedience to God. Friendships, Are deeper. You can love family even more at this point of obedience. You know, every once in a while, we even laugh, don't we? (laughs) Joy and laughter is real for those who are living in complete obedience to God. Life has meaning and purpose, and there's joy, and there's peace, and there's hope. (laughs) You know, all those those good Christmas words that we talk about, joy, peace, and hope, that I believe they are present to us when we are fully obedient to God. Every once in a while, I struggle with with the angels' announcements. I don't know, maybe you don't. Peace on earth, uh, goodwill to men with whom God is pleased. Because oftentimes we don't see that, do we? Amen. Seems like there's less peace than we'd like to see. But to those who are living at this point of dependence and obedience, regardless of what's going on around them, they can live at this point of peace and joy and love and hope. See, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not a distant hope. The kingdom of God is present here to those who are sold Out to God. Where Jesus is Lord, the kingdom of God abides. And so we have this possibility, this hope as Jesus here to live in the kingdom of God even now. See, Jesus here is your God-intended life. So where are you? Where are you today, honestly? It, in your heart, where where are you at? Are, are you are you living at this point of dependence? Are, are you are you obedient to God right now? Is, is God calling you? to do something or give, a, give up something or stop something. And, and, and you know he's speaking. It's not me. I'm not, I'm not going to speak about things. I'll let the Holy Spirit do his work. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you, to your spirit, and, and there's something that you need to resolve. There, there's a point of forgiveness. There, there, there's, there's a habit or an addiction. There's, a, there, there's this something God's calling you, to a way to serve or to give. And, and you know it. You don't need a preacher to tell you. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I, I'm not going to manipulate anything, but the Holy Spirit's dealing with Is there a point of obedience that you're just saying, not your way, God, my way? Where are you living? Are you living the curse? Are you, are you living in the post-Garden of Eden? Or are you living in the Garden of Gethsemane? This point of dependence and obedience. This point where it's not my will, but your will. Amy, I don't know if somebody's in here or if uh, Leanne can play. Is somebody in here? We'll just hum, okay? Get. Oh, there we go, there's Leanne. You guys familiar with Paul Lawrence Dunbar? Anybody ever heard of... He is a poet from Dayton and the... uh, late 18th, early 19th century. And and Paul Lawrence Dunbar has a poem called The Mask. Anybody ever read The Mask? And and I I love this poem. And and I think it it conveys how some are living in the church with this mask on, this this pretend Christianity. You know, Jesus called Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites. And we use that word. That's, that's the worst thing you can call somebody now. But, but I, I tend to think when Jesus used the word hypocrite, he said it with a great deal of sorrow. See, a hypocrite was an actor. And Jesus is basically saying, you know, you're just going through the part. You're, you're wearing a mask. And it's not real. And what I've come to do is allow you to take off the mask and fully live how God intends you to live. But Paul Lawrence Dunbar writes this, "'We wear the mask that grins and lies. "'It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. "'This debt we pay to human guile "'with torn and bleeding hearts we smile "'and mouth with myriad subtleties. "'Why should the world be overwise "'in counting all our fears and tears and sighs? "'Nay, let them see us while we wear the mask.'" We smile, but, oh great Christ, our cries to Thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, but, oh the clay is vile beneath our feet and long the mile. But let the world dream otherwise, we wear the mask. Maybe this morning you're wearing a mask, and you just really need to take it off. You just really need to stop going through the motions and find yourself at this point of dependence and obedience to God. Stand with me if you will. I'm going to close with Scripture. Jesus said this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. If the Spirit's prompting you, we're going to invite you to come. Uh, you know, you, you can make this commitment anywhere, but I've found in my life that these altars are just great places. And so we're going to wait for a few minutes, and then we're going to close in prayer. If you'd like to come, come quickly. Our Heavenly Father, we don't want to wear a mask. We don't want to play pretend. We want something that's real and significant. And Lord, that only comes through dependence and obedience. Lord, as I've talked about these two words the last two weeks, what I'm aware of is both of them is a struggle and always has been a struggle for humanity. We want to do things our own way, and we want to do things in our own strength. We want to be self-made, self-reliant. Lord, I think of myself, and, and just in my personal life, how hard it is to ask for help. But Lord, we can't live like that with you. We've got to be at this point where we realize that our strength, our life, comes from you. So Lord, make us aware of, Of our dependence on you. Then, Lord, I think of this point of obedience. We're all tempted to go our own way. Temptation doesn't stop when you become a believer, temptation doesn't stop when you're consecrated and sold out. Jesus was tempted. And so, Lord, we face the same temptation. The the writer of Hebrews says, beware of the sin that so easily entangles. What is that sin? That's the sin to do things our own way. We're tripped up by ourselves. We can't hardly get past our own bodies, Lord, but, but, but we trip on our own feet, wanting to do things our own way, in our own power, in our own strength. So Lord, bring us to a point. Bring us to a point where we are wholly sold out, dependent on you. Make us people of the cross. To realize our life is found in the cross and life is meant to be lived on the cross. Dependent, obedient on you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today, and and thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I I pray, Lord, that your Spirit will do the work that I, I can't do. Continue to work within our hearts, continue to guide us and lead us. And Lord, in all that we do, may we bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless folks.